This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. So glad to be with you today and excited to welcome on former NFL linebacker. He spent 11 years in the league. It's Bryce Pop, and he uh, was a, an all-pro linebacker, defensive player of the year. Now he's the defensive line coach for Northern Iowa. And I didn't talk about this with him on the during the interview, but my App State Mountaineers took care of business against Northern Iowa in the national championship. So got a national championship. Bryce actually wasn't coaching there then uh, or playing there for that matter, but he also played there a long time ago uh, when he was a, a college player as well, but, uh, but a fun connection there to, to Northern Iowa, but he throughout Bryce throughout his NFL career, he was a four-time pro bowler and, and he was drafted by the Packers in 1990 and, and then finished his career with the Minnesota Vikings and played for the Jaguars and bills in between. And today's interview is, I would even say more of a, more of a journey. We went on a journey with Bryce and he led us into some tough stuff that, that he went through and, and was very raw and real with us, uh, which we appreciate. And, and, and here at unpacking it, our desire is to see sports fans following Jesus. And the reality is that you and I and the guests that we have. So whether it's me as the host, the guests, or you as a listener, we are all in process. And we can see the hand of God in our lives. We can see who we used to be and who we are now and also realize we're not who we want to be. And and in that process, God is renewing our mind. God is transforming our hearts. We are beginning to understand what we begin to understand and we continue to understand how good he is, how great he is, how faithful he is, the character of, of God but then also the character flaws that we have and the brokenness that you and I have. And so anyway, so when I have guests on that, that are willing to really lean into the journey and the process and the wrestling and the lessons learned along the way, it's always, uh, it's always awesome. But I'll also say this interview, uh, it can be, he goes in a lot of different directions. He takes us down different, different rabbit trails, so to speak. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun ride uh, for you as a listener to to go down the the uh, kind of this path, this life story 
with Bryce and, and where he's at now. And God's been doing some awesome things in his life. Some of the topics that we, we get into as well here, here at Unpacking It, we absolutely believe that it is God's grace that through Jesus, because of the death and resurrection, uh, his death and resurrection, we, we can be saved and we can be given eternal life, not based on anything we do, but because of placing our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And, and then also recognizing, too, that we're, we're called and commanded to, to live a certain way, to pursue holiness, to, to allow him to change us and transform us. And, and so along with that is this wrestling of performance. We're, we're not saved based on what we do, but we're also called to, to, to live a certain way. And, and so we want to, to be good stewards of what God gives us. And at the end of our lives to say uh, that God can say good and faithful servant. And so that's our that's what we want to see. And so we we get into some of those those topics uh, with with Bryce and and some of the downsides of performance and and never feeling like we're good enough. And and I'm sure many of us can relate to that. So so you'll hear some of that today. And then also we'll we'll discuss you know some some topics like forgiveness and and what does it mean to forgive, especially our parents. Um, what does that look like? Um, and then even working through some of the bondage and and the family sin that that's in all of our all of our families in one one way or another some some worse than others and some generations after generations um and and working through our past and and Bryce very openly talks about just some of the steps that he's taken and the work that he's put in to grow and and to work through challenges that that he's experienced and so you'll you'll hear a little bit about that as well and then you'll you'll also hear about how the best kind of thing that happened to him maybe more spiritually wasn't great career wise and and so that's always interesting in life too the, you know the really tough things that we all face usually that's when we experience some of our greatest growth and and God reveals himself in significant ways during those times um and so uh, lastly, you're also going to hear about Bryce's heart for coaching and why he coaches and, and he'll even get emotional about one specific player that, that he's pouring into and realizing, all right, the player's not, not, he's not quite there yet, but he's in, he's in process and, and Bryce is helping him uh, along, along that, that journey as well. So, uh, I just say all that just to set it up, to set up this, this, this conversation, uh, and, and really some some unique directions that Bryce takes us on. And it's really thought-provoking with every guest. You know, okay, uh, do I, okay, I don't know if I've thought about that before, or I don't know if I believe that, or, okay, let me, let me check to see what the Bible says about that. Um, and so that's, that's a, another, you know, just thing to, to remind you as you listen to unpacking it. We don't say that the guests have, you know, all the answers or that I have all the answers, we, we've got to each each of us, you know, explore it and understand the Bible uh, and understand. Yeah, just have more knowledge of who God is and, and what his word says. Stick around at the end of the interview. I will give one other thought along along those lines, too, um, about the Bible, but also my takeaways from the interview uh, beyond what I've already shared with you. Before we jump in, I know this is a long intro today, uh, but I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, and so if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MediShare today. So my family, we are MediShare members and encourage you to check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Figure out if it's the right fit for you and your family. 
MediShare offers programs for every budget. So whether you're an individual or a ministry leader or you're self-employed, you you run your own small business, MediShare has options for you. And the best part is their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. So it's a great model. It's a great opportunity and encourage you to check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Well, right now, we're going to jump in for a little Bryce and Bryce. It's Bryce Pop on the MediShare guest line right here on the Unpacking It podcast. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the MediShare guest line is former NFL linebacker and current Northern Iowa defensive line coach Bryce Pop. He spent 11 years in the NFL after being drafted in the sixth round of the 1990 NFL draft by the Green Bay Packers. Throughout his NFL career, he also played for the Bills, Jags, and Vikings. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1995 while with the Bills, and he had 17 and a half sacks that season. Bryce has been married for over 30 years and has six children. Bryce, thanks so much for joining us here on the Unpacking It podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. You're uh you're the second Bryce I've I've had on the show. So excited to to get another Bryce uh do a little Bryce and Bryce today. But uh but before we talk about your uh kind of NFL career and and your coaching career, what you're doing now, I want to go back to the start of your college football career because to me this story is uh fascinating. Uh, really how you ended up at Northern Iowa as a player and, and how that door ended up opening up for you. Yeah. So uh, I was dating uh, a girl and she had gone to the university of Northern Iowa and uh, her and her friends were down on the Hill, which is a little like college town. Um, just uh, right at the, uh, what is it, the northeast corner of the university. And they were at a pizza place uh, having pizza after a football game. And the football staff came in and were eating. And one of her friends was a cheerleader. One of my girlfriend's friends was a cheerleader. And she went up to the coaches and said, hey, um, her boyfriend is really big and wants to play football. You should check him out. And so... Hmm. They uh, took down my name and number and eventually got a hold of me. And uh, I don't know how they told uh, or figured out if I was any good or not, because the video uh, is it was terrible at best. And, you know, it was um, it was hard to see uh, who was who. And uh, my coach, after what, after his NFL defensive player of the year, gave me a video of some of my high school um games and i was watching it and i couldn't even tell who i was so that's how bad it was so anyway they they must have decided i was a big guy and was fairly athletic so they came and watched me play basketball and then they uh, offered me a scholarship so um i wasn't like these kids today that are getting 10, 15 offers and so blessed to get this or that or the other thing. I didn't have an offer until way late and they bid against themselves and um, because I didn't have any offers, but you know, God, God knew that if I didn't have a full ride, I wouldn't have gone to college. And so 
you know, it was just one of those things that it just worked out. Oh, I love it. What, what a cool story. And now that you're on the other side of it as a, as a coach, how would you, I guess now that you have video and it wouldn't necessarily happen, but what if a girl came up to you at a pizza place and said, Hey, you gotta, you gotta see my, my boyfriend. He's a good football player. I mean, what would you think to me? It still sounds like a, just a crazy story. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just never know. Um, yeah. I would check it out because that's what gave me a shot, yeah. you know, and you know, Spencer Brown. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, Eight-man football player. I recruited him out of uh, a podunk town like my town mm. in the southwest uh, corner of Iowa. Um, so I, I don't know. I have a tendency to look at the small schools and look at the kids that uh, are from podunk wherever, USA, just because that's where I came from. And today, who's to say I'd even got – uh, much of a scholarship. I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. And, and so for you as a player, why was Northern Iowa such a great fit for you and allowing you to ultimately prepare to be drafted to the NFL? Uh, well, the first, the first thing is because they're really uh, the only ones that gave me a shot. So that's that, but uh, they were a good football program. Um, and you know, it was just a blue collar, hardworking, uh, team. And, um, they had coaches that, uh, had coached in the NFL and, um, you know, so that gave me a little bit of an advantage. Um, we had one that, um, my last two years had coached with the Packers defensive coordinator. And so we had the same exact defense as the Packers had. And so I knew all the terminology. And so it just happened that, you know, um, they decided to draft me. And, you know, I, I believe things happen for a reason. And I know they do. But, you know, um, uh, my rookie year, uh, I was in some meetings and the defensive coordinator was asking questions that a rookie shouldn't know. Hmm. And I was you know, I'd give him the answers right off. And uh, I'll never forget the older guys turn around looking at a rookie that they, they didn't even know the answer. And I was given the answer and, you know, it's just how God works, you know, puts you in the right place at the right time and gives you um, a favor. Ah, I love it. And, and I guess the other part of it too is, you know, you get, you get one college scholarship offer, so then at what point while you were at Northern Iowa, did you even think that the NFL was a possibility for you? Uh, it was uh, my sophomore year. Um, the uh, The coach that I was talking about actually came in about halfway through the year and changed the defense. And, you know, it, uh, it, it was huge for me because he featured me and, um, you know, I made all kinds of plays. The first game with that new defense, I had uh, three sacks and three forced fumbles. We won the game like 52 to seven, and they were supposed to win the conference. They had already played everybody, and the conference trophy was there, and they were supposed to win the game, and they're going to hand it to them. But we had something to say about it. We ended up winning the conference that year and went to the semifinals. And he, um, my coach that had coached in the NFL, came up to me one day in practice and said, you know, he pointed at my knees that were bare, and he goes, you need to be putting knee braces on because you're going to play a long time. Wow. 
That is cool. And, and you did. You played 11 years in the NFL. And, and I'm curious because, you know, every franchise is different experiences for, for everybody, you know, factor into your entire NFL journey. But with each stop from, from Green Bay to Minnesota and, and Buffalo and Jacksonville in between, what was the best part about each of those opportunities that, that you had in the NFL? Well, Green Bay, of course, um, you know, the fanatical fans um, and the defense was made, uh, you know, it was the same as my defense. So that they gave me the opportunity. They they drafted me um, and then uh, Holmgren came in and Wolf and Holmgren wanted their own people there. So, you know, sometimes they don't value you. And mm. so but they would never have given me the chance to become NFL defensive player of the year where someone else came in, looked at what I was doing because I was kind of like a Jack of all trades, master of none, because one year, um, which year was it? My fourth year, I believe I started at four different positions uh, in the season. So, you know, I could do it all, but no one ever said, okay, we're going to feature you and let you just become good at one thing. And Buffalo did that. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for that because they saw me in a different light, gave me the opportunity, and then had to let it happen. Um, And then Jacksonville, um, that one's a tough one. Um, Career-wise, it was probably the dumbest mistake that I ever made. Oh, wow. Spiritually, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I – I got to the end of myself to a certain degree and God, you know, got a hold of me and, and started changing my thought process. Well, he's still doing that, but Amen. you know, um, in Minnesota, that was just kind of, you ever watched the movie ghost ghost? No, I haven't, but I'm, I'm familiar with it. With Patrick Swayze. So he is, he is watching his, uh, I think it was his wife or girlfriend, you know, but he's not there, but he's like over the top and he can see in everything. Mm. Well, God gave me um, my last year. I broke my leg uh, and that was a miracle that it didn't completely shatter my knee. <clears throat> but I've been working with a physical therapist um, and he had given, he had given me all kinds of different exercises and, and, um, routines throughout the years and gave me, um, the ability to absorb blows and, um, sent the, uh, excuse me, MRI out to experts that had, um, that looked at the injury that I had because I had a, uh, a tibialis, (coughs) excuse me, fractured the lateral head of my tibialis plateau, but it was an incomplete um, fracture. So it was non-dysplasia. So it didn't, it didn't dislodge. So I actually finished the game and we actually sent the MRI out to experts that had seen that injury and they had never seen an injury like that, that the knee hadn't been completely shattered. So God uh, protected me there. And actually at halftime, uh, well, during the game, it, I got hit and it hurt really bad. I looked down uh, while well, John Randall came over to me and I was laying on my back and he goes, don't let him carry you off. Get up. <laughs> so, so he grabs me, helps me up. And so I kind of hobble off. And so, you know, it hurt like the Dickens. 
I look down and my foot is out at a 45. Oh my gosh. Thinking this, this is not good. (laughs) So, so I get over to the sidelines and they, um, the doctor looks at it and uh, the ligaments seem to be intact and it doesn't seem to have any cartilage damage. So in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, it hurts like crazy. My foot's out at a 45. That's not normal. Uh, but if I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm okay, mm. what are they going to think? And so what I did was I got a hold of my physical therapist on the phone during the game. Mm. And um, I, I had a hood over me because it was a cold mm. game. And so I had the phone up underneath my hood and I was talking to him and he he basically helped me and a teammate kind of reposition my knee and my lower leg to get it back to where it should be to a certain degree. And then we, we finished, you know, did as much as we could at halftime. And so I, I played, I don't know, through the third quarter, something like that. And then it just got too painful. And the next morning I woke up and my knee was about the size of a pumpkin. So oh. something that happened, but you know, God had made it so that it didn't get shattered and that it was, it was okay. And so the reason I'm telling you all of this is to get back to that story about um, ghosts. So mm. they wouldn't let me practice. They wouldn't let me play for six weeks. Well, after two weeks, I was doing one-legged hops on it because through my physical therapist and I was doing conditioning in a, in a pool. So, you know, I had floaties on and I was doing um, interval uh, conditioning in a pool so that I wouldn't, you know, put weight on my knee. Hmm. And I was ready to go after two weeks, but they wouldn't let me come back until six weeks. And so, you know, when when I got back, I didn't miss a beat. Uh, The first play I was in on, uh, I believe it was a... um, Monday or Sunday night game we were playing Tampa Bay in Minneapolis and I think the first play I was in on uh, I got double teamed the, the running back chipped me and you beat the chip two ways you either uh, immerse yourself into the offensive lineman so that the back can't hit you or you keep your shoulder pads out and let the back hit you and when he get when you get hit he spins you right across the face of the offensive lineman. Well, that's what I did. And he spun me and the quarterback was right there. So I sacked the quarterback on the first play back. Ah, that's cool. You know, it's just one of those little things that, but the reason I'm, you know, wasn't for that story uh, or that particularly, but okay. So here's what God did. You know, I had been getting nicked up through the years and I always said, I don't, you know, I always prayed, God, give me the wisdom to know when to leave this game. Mm. And, you know, throughout the years, I'd had a bunch of injuries. And, you know, later on, you know, it just kind of kept racking up. And this last one was kind of almost like the last nail in the coffin because, mm. you know, it's getting really close. And I'd had some injuries, like I had a bulge disc in my neck, played 10 games with that because of the physical therapist. And so during those six weeks I was out and I could see the insanity of the NFL Mm. because I see grown men drunk off their butts screaming, hollering at grown men that were going out, knocking the living crap out of people. And if Mm. you don't do that, you don't get paid. But if you step across that white line and you do that, you get thrown in jail Mm. and I just see the insanity of the whole thing. 
And, wow. but I was still on the inside. So it was kind of God preparing me to leave after that season, you know, to me, the writing was on the wall. I was, I'd become for most players. And, and if you ask them, it's like 90% mental, 10% physical. You're, you're all good enough to be there. Mm. Now, how do you get to the top? It's all mental, mm. you know, and I had just gotten so sick of all the mental games they would play. If, if we lost the game, the world would come to an end and I could see through all that BS. Mm. We won a game. Then it was like, oh, okay, life go on, you know? And fortunately for me that year uh, with the Vikings, we won a lot and made it to the NFC championship. And my last game that I ever played um, took the worst beating that I ever took Uh. (laughs) in a football game, 41 points. And, but I did get a sack. So, you know, kind of poetic justice there. I went out, you know, still had success and, you know, even then I knew that things were coming to an end because there at the end, I put my hand on the ground. We're in giant stadium and my, my right arm would go numb. I couldn't feel my right arm when I stuck it down to the ground to get my stance. So the the writing was on the wall and, um, you know, it got to the point where my family, because at that time, by that time I had four kids Hmm. And so it was getting to the point where my wife was like, okay, if, you know, if you feel like, you know, you're supposed to play another year, I will do it. Mm. But if not, it's probably time. And I knew that just physically. And so I chose to hang it up. And I was very fortunate because hardly anybody gets to leave on their own terms. Mm. They, they're kicked out. You know, you can't do it anymore. But, you know, I had uh, a 40 year career smashed into 11 years because at the beginning, you're a snot nosed rookie that can't do anything right. And you're just trying to make it just like in any job. Mm. Then, uh, then you get to a stage where you're, you're getting better, you're getting better. And then you get to a stage where, no matter what you do, you have success and they're throwing all kinds of money at you. Mm. And then you get to a stage where you can still do it, but you're you're another year older. They look at you different. They start to move you out. They don't give you the opportunities. Mm. And then you go through the stage of being retired. Then who am I? What am, what am I, you know, uh, because as men, we're told we are what we do. Mm. Well, where's your value? Well, your value has to be in God. Otherwise you're in trouble. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, there's a lot to, to unpack there. So I appreciate you sharing all of that and, and really some great insight into, yeah, the, the ebbs and flows of a career. And, and of course the, the most part, the part that I'm most interested in to hear more about is your time in Jacksonville. And, and you say man, that was the worst you know, career move uh, on the field wise, but off the field spiritually in your heart, it, it mattered the, the most. And, and so I'd love to hear more of, of why that was and, 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 you know, what ways did God really you know, work in you uh, to, to help you get more to the end of your, yourself during that time? You know, and like I said earlier, um, it's, it's a constant process. You know, you never get to where you're going to be perfect here. Um, but I, I truly believe that, you know, uh, the level we get to in, you know, becoming the person, you know, and there's, there's a guy I listened to, Ed Milet. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, podcast guy. He's a billionaire, uh, but he's a Christian. 
And I truly believe this. He talks about, you know, there's a you that you're living and there's a you that is the perfect you that God has, mm. you know, pictured for you. And so someday at the end of my life in front of God, he's going to flip on that screen and the picture show of the perfect me. Mm. I want my life to be as close to that as possible. And so that's why, you know, that's why I keep working at it um, and truly believe that, you know, we will get rewarded in heaven and get responsibility in heaven based off of how faithful we were in, to a certain degree, the level that we've got rid of our dysfunction and garbage here. Why do I spell that? Because there was a lot of garbage. The reason I was a great football player is I had a lot of rage and anger mm. for that happened to me as a kid and and that made me want it really bad and i had to have it and so you know because i was i don't know i was bullied and there's a lot of crap that happened to me and so i basically was shame-based mm. and all i ever wanted to be was good enough and it just never seemed to be good enough um you know, and I'm not here to vilify anybody because we're only <clears throat> we're only as good as the information we have, right? Or what we've been taught. Um, but also, for, Forrest Gump says, "Stupid is as stupid does," right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, <clears throat> so uh, here's here's one example of some of the stuff. So, my first start ever in the NFL, um, I didn't know I was going to start, and like two seconds before. You know, the other team came out of the huddle. My defensive coordinator said, get in there for this guy. So I ran in there and I started the game. Well, I had four and a half sacks and was NFC <clears throat> defensive player of the week. Wow. <clears throat> and started out that year leading the NFL in sacks. Um, and so the first thing I heard coming out of the locker room and again, I'm not here to vilify anybody. We do the best we can with the knowledge we have. Sometimes the knowledge we have isn't very good mm. because even, even if you don't want to repeat some of the garbage that happened to you, if you don't make a plan when the crap hits the fan, even though you hate it, it's all, you know, it's mm. deep. Again, it goes back to stupid is as stupid does. So if I haven't made a plan of how I'm going to respond, not react in situations, then I'm going to respond just, the way that I was mirrored. It's a mirror effect. This is all I know. So that's all I do. Mm. And so, um, so having said all that, <laughs> first thing I heard from my dad who never played football, mind you, um, was, wow, it sure would have been nice if you could have got those three sacks that you missed. <sighs> so nothing, nothing was ever good enough. And <sighs> all I ever wanted was to be thought of, as good enough or, you know, be appreciated. And so that drove me, you know, I, if you, and there was people that would see me all the time, can't believe you're the same person, you know, on the field as you are off the field, because it was like night and day, I could flip the switch because I had a lot of rage and anger and I would flip that switch and it was time to go, um, you know, but 
so um, when I became NFL Defensive Player of the Year, I kind of fell off the cliff. I got to the top, and I don't know if you've ever been snowmobiling uh, in the mountains. No, no. So you you go up the mountain, and right at the top, there's a there's a part of the snowdrift that comes back like this, and then comes back on top. And you think that snowmobile is going to fall over, but it doesn't. It comes back on top. Well, if you go off the back of this, you know, the, you get on top of that and you can go over the other side of the mountain, but it's hard to know where that cliff is on the other side. Ah. For me, it scared the crap out of me because I didn't know and I didn't want to fall off the other side and, you know, be put in an avalanche. But here's what happened to me. I was starving to be good enough. And so when I became NFL Defensive Player of the Year, I used that as, hey, I've made it. You know, and then I became prideful. Mm. And what happened was, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like Nebuchadnezzar, you know, God will put you in your place. Mm. So in 95, I probably did this much work and God did that much work. Yeah. So after the season, I was going to be, I was like, yeah, I've made it. So I decided I was going to do this much work and God, you can fit in whenever. Wow. I ended up getting hurt and went through um, depression almost. Um, And then, so I came back and, you know, got back on top. And then I went to Jacksonville and God God knew it was, you know, my NFL career was, you know, it's not going to last forever. And it's more important that, you know, he knocks the rough edges off. And so... So I got down to Jacksonville and so they introduced me, they introduced me as the guy that's going to get 14 to 17 sacks a year and all this. And then I went to minicamp and found out that they weren't even going to use me like that. And it was like, Oh my gosh. Uh And here's the other thing. I had friends that went down there with Tom Coughlin. And so I knew what it was like, but God painted me into a corner in this that okay so my agent had been talking to the jacksonville jaguars even though they weren't supposed to behind closed doors because at 10 o'clock in the morning when free agency started i had a blockbuster deal on my table Hmm. that paid me i was the highest paid linebacker in the nfl at that point Hmm. well if i turn that down What's everybody else going to say? Oh my gosh, what does he want? Mm. And so it was either that or what? And so, but here's what happened. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about whatever you fear or dread will come upon you, right? Mm. So my biggest fear was this guy is, and pardon my French, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing and I can't trust him. And I became fearful because I was afraid I'd get hurt and get cut. Mm. Okay. So, so I went down there and sure enough, they used me just like they'd used me in green Bay my last year. Well, in green Bay in my last year, I was a pro bowler. I had probably the, almost the exact same numbers. They used me the same way. I produced the same thing, but since everybody was entered, you know, they saw me as 14 to 17 sacks. I was a bust. Ah. 
And so everybody's expectations were way up here when I knew it was going to be down here. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be ugly. Mm. You know, um, I never went out, never did anything. I just went home all the time because I knew what was coming. Well, yeah, you, you did. And there's, there's also the idea that you what you dread or fear will come upon you. So if you, if you believe you can't, you're right. But if you believe you can, you're right also. Mm. So I was defeated in my own mind before that ever started. And ah. so, so, you know, it was a disappointing year. So I'm, I'm getting ready for the next year. And July 29th, I'm benching in a gym in Green Bay because that's where I spent my off seasons. Mm. Um, and I was doing my last set pressing and this guy who knew who I was and was spotting me. So I, I'm pressing and all of a sudden I hear a rip and this arm went back. Oh. <clears throat> well, I tore my pec 75%. The physical therapist I told you about um, had me doing um, these T-bar exercises, stretching it out so it wouldn't scar down wrong. So that afternoon with a 75, I was stretching it, getting it ready to go mm. a month later. And I chose not to have surgery, which I probably should have, but I chose not to because that team was really good. And so I chose not to, I went through, um, about a month of rehab and then I started playing, which mm. was on my part because I was like a one man, a one arm bandit. <clears throat> But again, you know, um, I, I wanted to, you know, be on that team and that just, it was kind of spiral. I took one for the team, you know, and what I should have done was got surgery and they rewarded me with contract cut and cut me <sighs> for, for doing that. So basically my own beliefs, my fear uh, basically cost me about, uh, $12 million. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I, I know a thing or two about fear and what you dread or fear will come upon you, you know? And so I was hitting rock bottom, you know, um, but God gave me kind of a transition year in Minnesota and kind of helped me get past that. And actually I was retired for a year and some of the coaches that were at Minnesota went down to the Texans and they, um, they were, you know, the Texans was just starting then and um, they wanted me to play again. And I was just like, no, you know, if it was ending team, I'd do it, but I'm not going to go down there and beat my head into a wall for a startup team, you know, cause that just wasn't worth it to me. And so, you know, I was done with my career and then, ugh, and then the real challenge started, you know, and figure out who I was and what I was all about and, and getting, you know, I went through a program called life skills because um, you know, when, when you're in the NFL, it, it pays to be, have rage and anger, but, it makes you a great football player does not make you a very good husband or father. Mm. And, and so that's when the real work started and, you know, it's getting better. You know, I've been done for, it'll be 22 years this fall, um, but it's still a process, you know, um, getting better. Um, but I've 
I've read a lot of books. I've done a lot of self-help and, you know, uh, reading the word and over. So, um, you know, when the NFL came out with um, this concussion protocol and all this stuff, you know, uh, getting guys tested, I didn't, I didn't go um, get my, you know, get evaluated because for me, it was like the NFL isn't my source. Mm. God is my source. And so I'm going to trust God. And so, you know, and some people are like, yeah, you could have typhoid fever and not go to a doctor and die, you know, but, you know, I had, I had made a new kind of, I'd read enough books and kind of knew kind of where I was heading. And so I found, I found this guy, um, Eamon clinics, um, and he's got one all over the country. And uh, again, I, I listen to I either read or listen to a lot of things because here, here's why I had dyslexia growing up and didn't know about it. And oh. so I was told I was dumb and stupid my whole life. Wow. And then, um, after I got him playing, one of our friends told me, Hey, you need to get tested. And I'm like, for what? For learning disability. Well, what's that going to help now? She goes, no, just go get tested. So I went and got tested. I didn't know what what testing was all about and how what they were going to ask you. And so they gave me an IQ test at the same time. Hmm. Well, come to find out, yeah, <clears throat> she asked to see this lady that tested me, asked to see all my transcripts. And, and so she saw them. My mom had all of them. And she, she was like, wow. And I was like, yeah, I know it's not very good. She goes, no, it's really good for the impairment you have. And I was like, oh, okay. Whoa. Icing on the cake. She goes, you're anything but dumb. Hmm. You have a superior IQ in almost every area. Wow. I was pissed at God for a while. I was like, that's a cruel joke. Hmm. Dumb, I'm stupid my whole life. And here's what I also learned. There's a part of your brain, the thalamus, that hears what you say and starts to believe it. So, so when, when people tell you something, it's an option. But when you start to speak it out, it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy mm. or a destiny. And so when people say I was dumb, I was stupid, you know, eventually you hear that enough. So when you start to do something that's questionable, oh, I'm so stupid. That was dumb. I'm an idiot. Mm. Okay. Well, if you had a friend um, and you talk to them like that all the time, they wouldn't be a friend very long. Right. True. Um, but what do you, how do you speak to yourself? And so, you know, I, I had to work on that and there's uh 30 day self-talk that this program had that has helped. And so I'm kind of getting back around to where I was coming from before. So over COVID, um, you know, some of the things I've been doing is, Okay, I was getting a little bit, um, uh, I would say, depressed because of the the outlook of everything, and I couldn't be with the players. And the reason I coach is to help the players become um, 25 years more mature quicker than I was, mm. because I didn't have anybody like me that had gone through all this BS and and you know read tons of books and went through all kinds of programs to get rid of a lot of this crap and so the reason I coach is to help them and so I get you know 
I would rather be a hermit to a certain degree in certain aspects, but then I become really miserable. So I have to have the interaction and I really love seeing the kids do well. Mm. And, and so I teach them about life all the time. Um, and that's where I really get fulfillment. And what I tell them is if I do this right, the relationship part, you're going to become a great football player. Mm. Why is that? Because you're going to trust me. You're going to know I have your best interest at heart. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm not out there to, to win games, to get all kinds of sacks, tackles for losses, all this stuff. Yes, you have to have that to stay there to be able to influence, but that's not the end all and be all. For me, it's can I help them not make the same stupid mistakes that I've made mm. and get them out of their issues? There's a kid that I have right now that he, he's me. He's about half baked right now. But I can see a huge change in him, mm. which is, I know there's no crying in football. but No, that's but real. For me, that's what it's all about. And, whew, and so that's why I do what I do. And, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of times people look at the players, wow, they play hard for you. It's mm. I love them. Mm. Love that. So getting back kind of to where I was going before, um, get uh, a lot of these rabbit trails. But um, I think it's important that if somebody listens or watches this whole thing, that it's a, it's a progression. You know, things don't just happen overnight. Right. Because if God released you from everything overnight, you didn't do anything to, to work at that. You didn't do anything to earn that. Yeah, and he does that sometimes. I get that. Um, but I guess he treats each of us different because he knows what we need to move forward. And some of us need to work at it hard. So we protect it. We take care of it because when you're given something, a lot of times you don't take care of it. Mm. I was growing up. I had, to, I had a really nice car, but I earned it and I paid for it. Some of my friends were given cars and they were trashed. Mm. So, you know, when it's, when it's given easy, come easy, go. But if you have to earn it, then you protect it. And so, you know, um, to me, that's what God has been doing with me, you know, because I, and here's, here's why they become good football players. And I'll, I'll bring that back to the emotional part of it too, is I was not gifted like Reggie White and Bruce Smith. I played mm -hmm. with them and learned a lot from them and stole things from their game and put it into my game, but I had to learn it. I was not that gifted. Mm. I work at it. So that's why I can teach people because I had to learn it. a lot of players that are so gifted that they can just do things. Can't tell you how to do it. Here's mm -hmm. what one time <laughs> I was trying to figure out Reggie White's hip toss or hump move. Well, how do you do it? You come up here and you do this. <laughs> okay. Got it. Thanks. So then I had to break down film and figure it out. And I finally, you know, I figured it out. 
And so I can teach them those things. And so, you know, um, how does that tie into, you know, helping your players? Because I've had to walk through all of this crap. Mm. And so I know the levels and how to walk them out of their bondage. And like I said, that, that player that's about half baked, um, there's a huge change in him. I mean, he was a wild donkey when I first got him. Um, mm. But I mean, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but you know, people know when you're giving them the truth and you're giving them value or, you know, substance, they'll stay even if it's going to cost them money because this kid has been actually contacted by BCS teams, Mm. be it illegally to go play for them. But he has said to me, I'm going to play for you. You've helped me so much Mm. play for you. Cool. You know, so they get it and they understand it. And so those are the things that, you know, um, have really helped me become a good coach and help me actually, I don't know, it's probably healing me more than it's healing them. But, but both. Yeah. Because, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, the sins of a father will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. Well, my great grandfather was a bum, an alcoholic. My mm. grandfather got rid of the alcohol. But part of the problem with that is you get rid of the alcohol, then there's not a reason why you're getting treated like crap or why you're being abused. Because there is no, oh, it's because if he wasn't drinking, then he wouldn't treat me like that. Mm. But when you take the alcohol out of the equation, but the, the behaviors are still like that, then you as a kid start to own that. Well, I must be bad. That's why I'm getting treated like that. Mm. Well, that's not the case at all. Hurting people hurt people. Mm. Right? And so I had to, going through that program, I had to see my dad because I knew. See, I got abused just like my dad. And um, I didn't know what had happened to him, but I knew I didn't know the specific circumstances that happened to him, but I knew exactly what happened to him. Mm. And sure enough, five years later, it came out. I said, I already knew that. I just didn't know the details because I could see it all over you. Uh. And, and so, you know, I was able to send him out to a place paid for five days. He was such a good student that he stayed for seven. But anyway, um, the process started. Mm. Yeah. And there has been uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of healing. Um, uh-huh. Is it is it where I'd like to see it? No, but there was change. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh, I, I take and use all of that information, and you know, I read the kids' mail a lot of times, and they're like, "How do you know that?" You know, I've been through a lot of garbage. That's the reason I coach because. I've been there. There's not much that has happened to you or that you can tell me that I haven't already dealt with. So, Mm. you know, that's why, you know, and I'll talk to them straight out, um, you know, and tell them stuff uh, when I'm recruiting them. And most of them are like, huh, (laughs) this guy is shooting me straight. 
uh, he should be blowing smoke. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't blow smoke because you know what? Uh, I, I truly believe if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, God is going to bring the kids I'm supposed to get. Mm. And if I don't tell them the truth, maybe no one will. Mm. Maybe they need to hear it from me. And then they go somewhere else and hear it again. And maybe that starts their healing. Or maybe they hear it, the truth from me and decide they want more of that. Mm. And so that's kind of what I do. Amen. Wow. Well, Bryce, I, I appreciate you you sharing really your, your heart and, and, and all that, that God is you know continuing to do in your life. And and I'm right there with you. We're all in process and it's uh it's a it's a daily journey and, and a renewing of our mind and a transforming uh, of who we are, our character and our our understanding of who he is and, and who we are in him. Um I, I did want to sort of just kind of circle back around to you know, the concept of earning. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, get caught up in, in performance and, and it, it often stems from, you know, how we, how we were raised and, and that relationship with our dad and, and, and how that, that performance mentality, uh, you know, enters into what we pursue from a career standpoint and, and that sort of thing. But I, but I, you mentioned too, when we stand before the Lord, we're, we're going to, you know, have that conversation about what we did with the gifts he gave us, with the opportunities that he gave us, the resources that he gave us. And, and did we live our life for him or not? Um, and there will be blessings in heaven uh, in, in relationship to that. But, but I guess just to, to unpack a little bit further, I'm not, not exactly sure the question, but just what you've learned in regards to grace, performance, holiness, and, and how even maybe you're wrestling with those things and how you've wrestled with those those things those over things the years and, and maybe a way that we can encourage listeners as we wrap things up today in that, in that area. I know it's a heavy topic. It's a big topic. Yeah. yeah. Grace. Um, you know, that's a hard concept <clears throat> to wrap your head around because um, you want it, but you don't want to give it to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, good thing I'm not God because I probably would have killed myself a long time ago. <laughs> because of the stupid things that I've done, you know, um, you know, I just hated the way I was in way, um, you know, I did things and stuff like that. So, you know, good thing I'm not God, but, um, so I wouldn't be very gracious at all. Um, I've gotten better at it, but, um, I, I don't think we understand, you know, and, and here's one thing I'll talk about, um, is on forgiveness, you know, grace is giving somebody something they don't deserve. Right. And so, you know, um, when we give forgiveness, it's not for the other person. It's for us, because if we don't give forgiveness, it's like me say you did something to me and I hate you. And so I'm sitting here and I'm drinking something and it's poison and I'm drinking it and I'm looking at you and it doesn't affect you. So I drink more. I keep looking at you. You're smiling you know what? It doesn't affect you, but it's killing me. And so that's where we need to give forgiveness. And I think if we give forgiveness, you know, the Bible talks about God will forgive our sins. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's grace, unmerited favor, you know, that we didn't earn, but God is giving us that. Um, as far as performance, um, that, that one's a hard one because we're told from the get go that it's, you know, who are you going to become? What are you going to do? 
and and we get our identity wrapped up in that and that's a hard one because um you know as men we're told uh we are what we do and and so that one's been a real tough one um you know the transition from the NFL to being a football player and that's where I got my identity because that's where people knew who I was you know they didn't know the Bryce that was scared and, you know, um, this little kid inside and was afraid of almost everything because of the abuse I'd taken or the rage and anger. It's, it's just one of those things where we just got to keep moving forward because, you know, um, eventually it's what we do for Christ that last, you know, um, We, we don't have to, we don't have to be the one that's reaping the harvest, but we have to either be planting the seed, watering it, fertilizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, more people have been changed by putting their arm around a person and walking life out than beating them over the head with the Bible. Because it's not, it's not what you say in the heat of the battle. You know, when a coach, um, it's not what they say. It's how they respond because you're looking over as a player and the coach is, if he is, if he is like, you know, then you're ah crap. But if the coach is like this, then they're like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Hmm. Right. And so, you know, that's just, uh, that's what we got to get to the point to is, you know what, we're, we're all in the process. Yeah. We're going to stumble and make mistakes, but, you know, God can help us through that. We don't have to be perfect. We have to be real with people. And that's what changes them. They want to see the real person, not this fake person that, you know, is slapping his kids on the way to church and and screaming at his wife. And then when he gets to church, he puts on this big smile and I'm the best person in the world. You know, that's not Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I make mistakes all the time, but we got to be able to ask for forgiveness and, and move forward. It's a constant process. Well, Bryce, gosh, I, I could talk to you all day and, and appreciate all, all that you shared. And, and next time we'll have to talk even more about your, your coaching career. Cause, cause that's, that's been a fascinating journey as well. Um, but, but appreciate the, yeah, the heartfelt, insight and wisdom that, that you shared with us today to think that you played yeah right there alongside Reggie White, Bruce Smith, John Randall. Those are uh, some legendary players. When I first started kind of watching basketball or watching football, those are the names. Those are the names that, uh, that I remember. So that's, that's fun. So Bryce, appreciate it. Great to, to meet you and uh, great to share the same name with you. And uh, thanks for being a part of unpacking it today. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There's Bryce Pop joining us here on the MetaShare guest line on the Unpacking It Live podcast. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. So there you go. What a conversation. Wow. That was that was an adventure, and it was encouraging. It was thought-provoking. It was raw, real, honest, transparent. We're all in process. So we got to hear a little bit about his process. And, and so are we honest enough with ourselves to lean into the changes that, that, that we need to make and that God needs to make in us? And, and sometimes God will flip that switch. 
but oftentimes it's after a while, you know, it's after uh, putting in the work and, and putting in some, um, you know, some, some effort, but ultimately it's God's grace and, and his, his love for us that, that he continues to, to change us and mold us into the image of his son, Jesus. And so, so many things to, to take away and to think about more and to unpack more uh, from Bryce. Uh, but I loved what he, what he said when he was discussing recording ourselves talking or, or repeating scripture. So essentially being able to memorize scripture by us talking the Bible out loud to ourselves and speaking truth to ourselves. Uh, it's God's word, him speaking through kind of our voice. It's, it's a fascinating thing, and I, I kind of love that idea. So we need to, uh, to consider that in our own lives, what would it look like to pick you know, five, ten verses that, that can really make a difference in our, our lives, say them out loud, record them, and then play them back, play them back, and, and, and allow ourselves to learn that way. That was really cool. And, and then you know, the, the, the reality was self-talk. We all got We all have it. We all talk to ourselves. And and say things, and what are we saying to ourselves? I think either either yesterday or today, I was saying, "Ah, oh, you're an idiot." You know, it's like those types of things. We 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 say it to ourselves. Why? What what what's there? Why why are we allowing ourselves to say those things? And Bryce made a good point. We wouldn't want to be friends with that person if they said that to us. So why do we do that to ourselves? And and so again, it's a process. We need to get to the root of that, but then allow God to renew our mind, and 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 meditate and saturate i like that word saturate ourselves with god's word and with truth so that when the lies pop in even that we're saying to ourselves that really come from the enemy that that we can combat it with truth and say okay who am i in christ what does god say about me what are the what, what's the truth and what, what what does god say um and then also he talked a lot about fear and, and and getting to the root of our own fear and, and are we are we being driven by fear or are we overcoming fear with God's strength and power and and are, are we aware of what we're actually fearful of fear of failure fear of rejection fear of not being good enough all those things but they have ramifications when we when we live from that place of fear and and so that was a, a really good thing to bring up too we need to combat those fearful thoughts with God's truth and, and, and realize, okay, no, I want to be an overcomer and I can because of the power of Jesus living within me and the Holy spirit working and changing and bringing to mind what's actually, what's actually true based on God's word. So that's the message that I, that I guess I want to take away today uh, from this interview with Bryce. Uh, so that was, that was really good as well. All right, guys, that was fun. That was an adventure. Thank you so much for uh, listening today to Bryce Pop here on the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. 
We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.